This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's, there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevatechurch.com. to all of our mamas who are out in the audience today. You know what? I've found that there are two basic gifts that us moms want for Mother's Day. So I want you guys to play along this morning. Is this you? Do you want to have a nice afternoon, um, someone cook for you or go out to dinner, but a nice afternoon filled with all the people that you love, surrounded by your little kids or your big kids or your adult kids? Um, and get some homemade gifts, some gifts from the heart. How many of you say, that's me? That sounds like a perfect Mother's Day afternoon. Awesome. We've got another camp in the room. How many of you are like this? You want to get that card on Mother's Day morning and you want to open it up. And inside that card is a key to a hotel room. And written in that card, it says, don't come back until tomorrow when the kids are on the school bus. And by the way, while you're gone, someone's coming to clean the house. How many of you are like me and you say, peace out? (laughs) I'm out of here. I don't know. Maybe it's got four crazy boys running around the house. Maybe that's got something to do with it for me. But what I do know this morning is that every single woman in this room should be honored because God divinely chose us to be women and we are strong and we are loving and we are nurturing and whether or not we have children by choice or by diagnosis, it's got nothing to do with it. We're great friends, we're great daughters, we're great sisters, we're great aunts, we are great Jesus girls and today we're gonna celebrate All of us. So do me a favor, don't leave the auditorium before the end of the service today because on your way out, our ushers are gonna give to all of our women in the room, 18 and up, a very special Mother's Day gift just for you. So I wanted to start this morning by introducing myself. My name is Kristen and I am Pastor Colby's wife. I fell in love with that man when I was 18 years old, right after my senior year of high school. We're going to put a picture up on the screen. There we are. This summer, we started dating. Check out that hair. <laughs> love it. Hey, I headed off to college that fall, um, the same college that Colby was already attending, and my parents told me, Kristen, that Colby is a little wild. So we would really like it if you would date other people. (laughs) And you can see how well I listened to my parents. Um, I actually do though remember telling them as I headed off to school, I will honor your wishes. I will go out on some dates with some other guys, but you can never make me stop loving him. (laughs) It's true. This summer, we're gonna celebrate our 19th wedding anniversary. Yeah. 
Along the way, we've created four incredible boys. I've got a picture of them up on the screens too. Yeah, there's Wade, he is almost 12. Jake turned 10 last Sunday. This is like the worst six weeks of the entire year for my oldest because right now they're only a year apart. They're 10 and 11, so he doesn't like me to tell people that. So he's almost 12. The other one's 10. Park is seven. And then sweet baby Gray, he joined us about four months ago. And I just wanted to take a second um, before I start to just say that I've really got no idea how Pastor Colby stands up here and gives incredible messages week after week after week after week because it took me like six months to prepare what I'm going to share with you guys this morning. I'm so thankful, though, for a leader who is willing to share his stage, um, especially with someone like me, the person who knows every ounce of dirt about him. (laughs) And this morning, um, I am going to get to share some of those stories about him for a change. Seriously, though, I am thankful for this opportunity, um, even though I don't necessarily feel qualified. But I keep telling myself that I am not up here because I filled out an application I'm up here because God has called me to this, and so I just keep saying yes, and he keeps filling in the gaps. Plus, you guys are going to be extra special smiley to me, right, this morning? All right, thank you. (laughs) So it was about 10 years ago that Colby and I first came to Erie. And I'll never forget driving up 79 and getting off of this exit right here um, called Kearsarge. And it's been 10 years, and I still don't know what Kearsarge is. But I remember getting off at this exit. We were here for um, an interview for Colby. To, uh, he was applying to be a worship pastor at a church here in town. And that interview resulted in us moving here that August. We hadn't sold our house in Ohio yet. So there was a lady who actually moved into a house with her friend and let us live in her house for the first three months. So we packed everything up and we moved into that house with a potty training two-year-old boy and a 12-week-old infant. Our hopes were high for this adventure, this new adventure that we felt that God had called us to. But by the end of that year, our house back in Ohio, it actually had sold but then the deal fell through. And the three months in that lady's house had run its course. So we were basically homeless. So we packed up all of our stuff again, and I headed back home to live in that house in Ohio with the two little boys. And Colby began sleeping on his office floor here in Erie, or commuting back and forth from Erie to Toledo, Ohio. Also, at that time, the lead pastor of the church that we had come out here to help start resigned. And so to say that my world was shaking and I felt like it was completely falling apart, that was an understatement. You know what? Your story this morning is going to sound a little bit different than mine, but we all have those times in our lives, those dark, challenging moments. And the decisions that we make or the decisions that we don't make while we're in the middle of those storms is gonna determine the course for where we're headed. 
So today we're going to take a look at a storm that happened in the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, why don't you go ahead and grab those or open up your phone to your version app. If you need a Bible, we've got some Bibles in the back. Turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 27. In this story, we find a guy named Paul. And at this point in his journey, Paul is a prisoner and he is on a boat with some other prisoners, and they're heading, they're sailing to Rome to appeal to Caesar. So we're going to read this passage before we start this morning. Starting in verse 13, we read, When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. Because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis, they lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. So in this story, we meet Paul and a bunch of sailors and they're on a boat and they run into a storm. And for days, they battle that horrible storm. But the thing is, everybody on board in the end actually survived. Why is that? I think it's because in the middle of that storm, Paul made some strategic decisions that enabled everybody to reach the shore safely. And I believe too, that we too, if we could learn from these four strategic decisions that Paul made, we'll be equipped to handle the own storms in our life. So before we get started, I just want to ask you, what does your current storm in your life look like? What's your personal storm this morning? Maybe it's a financial storm, perhaps an addiction. Maybe you got a call from a doctor this week and you're in the middle of a health crisis. Moms and dads, maybe you're in the middle of a parenting struggle. It could be something in your career, or perhaps it's a close relationship that you have. Maybe there's a storm brewing in your marriage this morning. And if you were to be honest, maybe that storm's already like a category five hurricane. Well, as we walk through these strategic decisions that Paul made this morning, I want you to filter them through the lens of your current storm. Are you ready? All right, let's look back at verse 17 really quick. It says, they passed the ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. In another version, it says, the sailors bound ropes under the hull of the ship to strengthen it. So imagine this with me. These sailors are in the middle of a storm, and they've got to make the decision to go up, um, um, go up onto the top deck of that boat and grab some ropes and somehow maybe 
one had one on one side and the other had it on the other side and somehow shimmy a rope underneath the boat. Maybe that didn't work. Maybe someone had to jump in the water and swim under the boat. Somehow they had to take a rope underneath the boat, tie it off. And if you look back at the verse, it says ropes. So that's plural. They had to do this multiple times. Those sailors knew that if they were going to make it through the storm, they had to strengthen the hull of that ship so that it wouldn't break apart in rough waters. The ropes that the sailors used to strengthen that boat were support systems holding that ship together. And here's what I know. If we are going to make it through some of the storms in our life, we have to have some support systems in place in order to make it through, in order to arrive on the other side. So today I'm going to give you four quick thoughts, four quick ropes, four quick support systems, four quick lifelines that we can use when we face our own personal storms. And that first lifeline this morning is this, renew your mind. Romans 12, 2 tells us to be changed within by a new way of thinking, by the renewing of our mind. So when we're in the middle of that storm and waves are crashing against that area of your life, when there's total chaos and you feel like your world is falling apart. We got to renew our minds and fix them on God and what he has to say about our situation. Not what our best friend might have to say about our situation. Not what a stranger might have to say on social media about our situation, but what God says. There's a verse in 1 Peter 1:13 that says, "Prepare your minds." And in another version, it says to gird up the loins of your minds. And if you're like me this morning, you're probably thinking, what the heck does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've got a picture on the screens for you. In Bible times, both men and women wore these long flowing tunics. And around their tunic, they would wear a belt or a girdle. And while the tunics were comfortable and breezy, that hem of that fabric would often get in the way when they were performing hard work or manual labor or getting ready to go into battle. So what they would do is they would lift up the hem of that tunic and they would tuck it in their girdle or they would tie it around them, tie a knot around it. Basically what they were doing was creating a pair of shorts that would give them uh, more freedom of movement. So to tell someone to gird up your loins was to tell them to get ready for battle or hard work. And in this verse, we're being told to gird up the loins of our minds. Our first lifeline this morning is to use those ropes we have to brace up the hull of our life. It's to renew our minds, to gird up the loins of our minds with the truth of God's word. And if I'm being honest this morning, sometimes in the middle of a storm, Things, my thoughts can get out of control. Like they can seriously just go all over the place. But what I know is that thoughts and feelings, they're kind of like waves. So if you'll just picture yourself with me out in the middle of the water, off the shore, and you've got wave after wave coming. Those are thoughts and those are feelings. And you maybe can't stop those from coming. But you can decide which one of those waves you are going to hop on and surf to the shore Romans 12 says we're transformed when our minds are renewed. And it doesn't say we're transformed when our circumstances change, but when our mind is changed and our mind is renewed. So it's up to us 
to remember what the truth about God's word says about our situation. And you know what? I'm learning that there's a difference between our facts and God's truth. So your fact this morning might be that you feel incredibly alone and like no one understands or no one cares. But the truth is in Hebrews 13, five, it says, God says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Your truth may be that you feel like God has abandoned you, kind of like I did when we moved here those 10 years ago. But the truth is Psalm 55, 22. It says, give your worries to the Lord and he will take care of you. Your, tr- your fact this morning might, might be that you just lost your job this week. But the truth is, and you might, you might not have no idea what you're gonna do. The truth is Jeremiah 29, 11 says that I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. This morning, maybe your marriage is in a really scary place and you don't know whether it's gonna last another day or week, let alone another year. And that might be the fact that you are staring at this morning. The truth, though, is Hebrews 13, 4 says, marriage should be honored among all. And Revelation 21, 5 says, look, I am making all things new. You know, it could be that you are sitting here on Mother's Day and you're doing your absolute best to keep those tears that are right behind your eyes from spilling out onto your cheeks. Because maybe, you, maybe you're a mom and your child has turned his back on you. Maybe she's turned her back on God and you, your heart is broken this morning. Maybe you've gone through the immense heartache this year of burying a child, or maybe this is your first Mother's Day that you're facing without your own mom. Maybe you desperately want to be a mom or be a mom again, and month after month that test is negative and the treatment doesn't work, or maybe you don't have enough money to even keep trying, or maybe you lose yet another baby before you're able to hold them in your arms here on earth. First of all, I want to tell you there are so many women who are going through exactly what you are. And I would tell you that as hard as it is to open up and to find someone to talk about it with. Colby and I tried for years before we were able to have our first son. And that roller coaster of emotions that you go through is exhausting because I know and I'll never forget the day It was about a month after we finally got that um, positive pregnancy test, all those procedures and the surgeries, everything paid off and we were finally pregnant. But then I found myself sitting in a waiting room of a hospital with the doctor's orders in my hand that said possible spontaneous abortion or threatened miscarriage. Those that day, that was my, those were my facts. But the truth is God loves me, that he is good and that he is faithful. And in Psalm 147.3, it says he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. And the truth is Romans 5, 3, and 4 says that we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. So whatever your storm is, whatever is raging all around you this morning, you can do one of two things. You can choose to freak out or you can choose to find out. 
We can choose to freak out or we can choose to find out what God's word says about our situation and we can renew our mind to his truth. The Bible tells us that faith comes when we hear the word of God. And sometimes, you guys, we gotta hear it coming out of our own mouth. And I know it sounds simple, but if we don't know God's word, it's gonna be really hard to hear us saying God's word. And that's what's gonna help us get through the storm. Like my husband always says, you'll never know God's will apart from God's word. So we've gotta open up our Bibles and we've got to find some verses. And if you're not exactly sure where to look, where to find those verses, I'm about ready to give you some extremely profound pastor's wife advice. Are you ready to write this down? If you need help finding those verses, here's what you do. You Google it. Seriously, we have technology in our hands almost all the time, right? So you open up that phone, you open up version, you open up the internet, and you just Google Verses about fear, verses about heartbreak, verses about addiction. Whatever you do, you find some verses and you speak God's word over your situation. Our first lifeline in the middle of a storm is to renew our minds. Let's look back at again at Acts 27. This time we're going to read verse 18. It says, we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. You guys, it got so bad, they started taking all their stuff and just throwing it overboard. And that's our second lifeline this morning. Lifeline number two is to lighten your load. I would imagine that that ship had probably stopped at different ports of call along its journey and continued to take on cargo. And you know what? We do that throughout this journey called life, don't we? We continually take things on board. And many times we don't know about all the stuff that we've collected until a storm hits us. And I'm not talking about physical things. I'm talking about things like past hurts and things like disappointments. But if we're going to make it through our storm, we've got to learn to toss that excess baggage overboard. Now when I think of tossing things overboard, what I usually think of is tossing my cookies <laughs> Is anybody else like me? You get on a boat and you're instantly seasick. Now, I'm fine if that boat is moving, but once that boat stops moving and starts rocking, I cannot handle it. Now, Pastor Colby, um, he does fine on boats, but me, I went deep sea fishing twice in the Atlantic, and they were both day-long trips. And within the first hour on this boat, I'm throwing up. And you're like stuck on this boat and there's nothing you can do. And the captain tells you, just watch the horizon. And I'm like, that horizon is rocking. It was torture. Like I said, me not so good on boats. Pastor Colby's fine. However, if he even looks at these, the spinning teacups at Waldemir, all he's got to do is look at them. And he is throwing up. He's also a sympathy puker. I don't know if you have any sympathy pukers in your life. Never, ever throw up near one of those. You know what? I've cleaned up every single ounce of kid vomit for the last 12 years in my house because I don't want to end up cleaning up his too. 
And you know what, one last thing while I have the stage and the tables are turned this morning and I get to share with you things about him. He's also like the food police. So like if he gets a piece of bread or a piece of cheese, he will like turn it over and inspect it over and over again just to make sure there's like no mold on it or anything funky. He is also, uh, he inspects expiration dates on cans of food like it's the man's job. But somehow last Christmas, the big clearance sticker on the carton of eggnog in the fridge, it, it got by him. We, we were at my parents' house and my sister, bless her heart, she brought some clearance eggnog trying to be frugal, knowing we were gonna drink it that night anyways. Anyways, Colby had a big, nice, hearty glass of eggnog. And when we were on our way home that night from my parents' house, he had me drive because he was positively green. So we're driving, we're driving up 99 from Edinburgh, and we get as far as McCain, and he's like, pull over, pull over, pull over. So we were at the St. Francis Usher Club in McCain. Does anybody know where that is? Okay, so they've got this sign out front, and it's the sign where you can pick the letters and put whatever you want to say on it. That's where I pull over, and he's out there like leaning over this sign. And it was like one of those things that you didn't want to watch, but you just could not help yourself. (laughs) So gross. So now every time we drive through McCain, my boys, they look for dad's puking posts. (laughs) Yeah. So listen, that's got absolutely nothing to do with the message. But um, I just wanted to give you something to look for maybe next time you drive through McCain. Well, enough about tossing cookies. We're going to talk about tossing cargo overboard. Some of you today, you are carrying a load around that you were never meant to carry. Those things like past hurts and disappointment, bitterness and envy, stuff that we collect and stuff that we hold onto. Someone in your past hurt you, and you are still carrying around that pain. Perhaps you discovered that your spouse was being unfaithful. Maybe you walked through unimaginable tragedy in your childhood. Maybe you're carrying the baggage of bitterness this morning. Maybe it's disappointment. And you know, disappointment is tricky because it can vary from the not so big of a deal to the absolutely paralyzing Maybe you're a student this morning, um, a middle schooler or a high schooler, and your disappointment is that you didn't get picked for the team. Perhaps you're in college and you didn't get the internship that you wanted. Maybe you just interviewed for a job and they didn't even call you back. Maybe your wife didn't notice that nice thing that you did for her this morning. Or maybe your husband didn't notice when you got all dressed up last week for your date night. Perhaps a birth mom picked you and your spouse, but then at the very last minute changed her mind. Life can be hard sometimes. And I think one small way that we can practically lighten our load is to not take everything so personally all the time. Sometimes it's our fault. Maybe you didn't get that promotion at work because you didn't put in enough time and effort to get ahead. But sometimes... The reality is that life just does what it does. And that's why we've got to make sure that our hope is anchored in God and not our circumstances. Because Romans 12, 2 told us to be renewed, renew our mind 
And it doesn't really matter what our circumstances are. We've got to choose to renew our minds. So we're gonna take a look back at our story again. Those sailors, they decided to throw the cargo overboard first. In the next verse, verse 19, we read this. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. So that brings us to our third lifeline this morning, and that is this, to protect your priorities. I did some digging um, because I didn't really understand this verse, because in my mind, tackle, all I can picture is one of my kids' little fishing tackle boxes. But what ship's tackle really is, is all of the ropes and the anchors and the sails, everything that's needed to sail that ship. So the sailors, first they got rid of the cargo, but then they had to make the decision to throw over everything they needed to actually sail their ship. Because all that stuff, the ropes and the anchors and the sails, that's nice to have, but when life and death is the choice, you're gonna throw everything you can overboard. They had to continue to lighten their load, but they also needed to reassess what their priority was. Their stuff or their lives. What's really important? What was the priority? Because in the middle of a storm, it's so easy to lose our focus and to lose sight of what our priorities are. This morning, I wanna do something a little bit different than normal. I'm gonna ask someone to come up onto the stage and help me. And so since this is Mother's Day, I would love it. I promise it's not scary and you don't have to talk a whole lot. Um, I need three moms, if you would, to come up here and help me illustrate something really quick. So raise your hand if you wanna come on up and help me. Three moms, right here, one. Will you help me? All right, we've got two. Anybody else that wants to? Okay, come on up. Come on up. <laughs> Pick a table and stand behind the table for me this morning. Can you guys welcome them to the stage? Thank you, moms, for being brave. Yeah. Oh, stand right here. Sorry. Okay, perfect. I'm going to give you a box, too. All right. All right, moms. So we know that our main job is to love our kids and to raise them right and to point them to Jesus. Correct? Yes. Along the way, all the moms know we've got a lot of other jobs to do, right? So this morning, we are going to have some of my moms up here do some of these jobs. All right, let's tell everybody your name. Heather. This is Heather. And Heather this morning is going to get some snacks ready for our kids, right? Because we know kids are always hungry, right? All right, Heather, we've got some friends coming over too. So if you can just, you know... Get these Cheerios going for the crew. All right, over here, we've got a baby, <laughs> a naked baby, <laughs> and diapers, diapers never end, and some wives. Tell everybody your name. Linda. This is Linda, and she is going to help us this morning by doing the never-ending job of changing these babies' diapers. All right, Linda, ready? Yep. It's going to be kind of hard. That baby's small, but you can do it. All right. <laughs> All right, tell everyone your name. This is Danita, and Danita's going to do laundry, 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 laundry. All right, laundry. I mean, Danita. <laughs> Sometimes we feel like that's our name, right, Mom? Yeah. All right, she's going to fold up some laundry for me. All right, let's go back in and check over here. How's the snacks going? Oh, you know what? Some of those spilled over, and you're going to have to fix that. And oh, wait. Uh-oh, there's like 15 in here and there's only 14. 
and this one. So people are not gonna be happy. You have to make those fair. All right, keep working on that job. Awesome. Oh, you know what? Babies love to poop in clean diapers, don't they? So I'm sorry, that one's dirty. You're gonna have to start over. Here you go. Keep, keep doing that, keep doing that. All right, how's the laundry going? Oh, you know what? Hold on one second. Oh, no, the baby wants to play. You're gonna have to start over. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, moms, who can identify? Yes. All right, we've got, tell us one more time, what was your job today? Snack time, and what was your job? Diapering. Diapering. And on the end, what's your job this morning? Laundry. Laundry. Guess what? You're all wrong. Our job is to raise our kids. Our number one job is to raise our kids to love Jesus. But sometimes all the things that we have to do get in the way of that priority of raising them to love Jesus. All right, ladies, can you guys give them a hand? Thank you so much for helping me out. <laughs> All right, you can have a seat. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to you guys. Thanks for helping me out. You guys, we can lose our way sometimes. When we've got things that are good and necessary, like this, or bad and destructive, to suddenly become our priorities. And in the storm, remembering and focusing on our priorities can sometimes be a matter of survival. We gotta keep asking ourselves every day, what's the most important thing? You know, everybody's priorities in the room are gonna look a little different, but how about we all just keep honoring God as our number one priority? Jesus gave us some profound instruction in Matthew 6 when he just said, seek first his kingdom his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you. So honoring God in whatever storm you're in or whatever circumstance you're in is gonna be huge to us reaching our shore safely. Okay, so our last lifeline in navigating our storms and reaching that shore is gonna be this. Number four, get your hopes up. The world might tell you, Oh, honey, I don't know about that. You better not get your hopes up. But I'm here to tell you this morning, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. In the middle of the storm, most of us want to panic. We're racked with worry and we're weighed down with hopelessness. And Paul saw these same symptoms in the sailors as the waves started crashing against the ship and that crew started to panic. In verse 22, Paul said to them, but take courage. None of you are gonna lose your lives even though the ship is going to go down. One of my all-time favorite verses is found in Hebrews 6, 19. And it says, we have this hope that is an anchor for our soul firm and secure. What was this hope that the author was talking about? Maybe it's that the God who started something in your life, that he is going to finish it. It's that God in heaven sees you, and he knows you, and he knows exactly what's going on in your life. Jesus told us that we're going to have trouble in this world, but in his very next breath, he said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. So yes, 
you will encounter storms, but you can have hope because God will see you through. And listen to me, hope is not wishing and hope isn't positive thinking. It's a sure expectation that God is gonna do exactly what he promised. Hope is like a bubby. Have you seen one of these bubbies? These are some new flotation devices for babies. Aren't those cute? I got one more picture. Check out the next one. Oh. <laughs> You're gonna have to check my Instagram this summer because I'm gonna get one of these and baby Gray is gonna be in one of these. Yeah, but Colby says no because he doesn't want our kid's head to pop off, but I don't know. I think they're cute. What I do know, though, is that I think that Bubby is such a great picture for us of hope because hope keeps our head above the water until our feet can find solid ground beneath us. So if you leave here today and you only remember one thing that I said, remember this, get your hopes up. And you might be thinking, Kristen, that's way easier said than done because you've got no idea what I'm going through. That addiction in my life that never lets up. That child that I have that struggles so much at school. This friend that betrayed me. My finances. When will it ever seem like we've got enough to make ends meet, much less get ahead? My spouse that just told me that they don't love me anymore. How is hope even possible for me? I'm going to close this morning with an answer to that question that the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah gave to us in the book of Lamentations. He said this, I will never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison that I've swallowed. That's a really bad day. And there's probably some of us in this room today that feel exactly the same way. But then he said this, I remember it all, oh how well I remember, the feeling of hitting the bottom. But there's one other thing I remember, and remembering I keep a grip on hope. What is it that he remembers? God's loyal love could not have run out. His merciful love could not have dried up. Their created knew every morning how great is your faithfulness. I'm sticking with God. I say it over and over again. He's all I've got left. Sometimes we associate bravery and courage with huge feats, like climbing Mount Everest or skydiving out of an airplane. But sometimes the bravest thing that we can do is just to keep on hoping. And oftentimes, to keep that grip on hope, it's gonna take both hands. So where, where are you drowning this morning? I wanna tell you to put a bubby around your neck. You are being made stronger with every single wave. And the storm that you are in, it's not any bigger than the God that is in you. You know, let's do this. As we close our time together, would you guys stand to your feet with me? Bow your heads and we're gonna pray this morning. God, I just thank you so much for the reminder of the lifelines that you give us, God, through your word to renew 
our mind, to lighten our load, to cast all those cares that we have on you, to protect our priorities, to fix our eyes on you, God, and to place our anchor of hope only in you, and to stop hoping in ourselves or in our own strength, but to place our hope in the one who this morning is greater than our storm. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you have that anchor of hope in Christ. But if you're not, then God in his mercy and his love and his grace, he's throwing you a lifeline this morning. And that lifeline is Jesus. And as you reach out and you grab a hold of it, the Bible tells us that you will be saved. You too, you can firmly have that anchor in the middle of the storms of your life. So the way that you do that is through prayer. So if that's you this morning and you feel like you are drowning in your storm and you have never before trusted Jesus for your salvation, then I invite you just to pray this with me. Say this with me. Jesus, I realize that in order to make it through my storm, I first need you. I'm a sinner and I need you. Thank you so much for giving your life for mine, for dying on that cross for me once and for all, wiping away all my sin. And right now, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe that you were raised from the dead and I am asking you right now to raise me to a new life in you. And while your heads are still bowed, if you guys, if you prayed that prayer with me this morning for the very first time, I would love to pray for you this morning. Would you just lift your hand up into the air so that I can see it? Lift it up there high. Thank you. There's hands everywhere. Thank you. Thank you. God, thank you so much for these people this morning who in this room just now, they move from death to life. Would you fill them with your spirit and help them as they begin to get their hopes up, knowing that you are now Lord of their lives. In your name, I pray this morning. Amen. Church, let's celebrate. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, Share your story online at elevateerie.tv.